Hello and welcome to World Shop, the podcast where we talk about creative writing and world building, but mostly read stories. I'm Jordan. And I'm Little Caesars. Jordan, you how does were, it you feel were, you to were be wait, a co you, you were waiting for that word. Jordan, you? how does it feel for your co-host to be a hot and ready pizza? Anyways, Cody, what have you been doing recently? I don't respond to Cody anymore. I am Little Caesars. Anyways, Little Caesars, what have you been doing recently? No, I don't like that anymore. I don't like that anymore. Oh, I'm you Cody don't like being hot and ready? <laughs> You know, you give me grief for being a degenerate, and then you do crap like that, and I'm like, okay, so double standards then, What are you, know? you talking about? I didn't do anything. Anyways, I got Cody. two things I want to talk yeah. about, all right? Taxi I got drivers, two things. The first one is LaCroix, a beverage Are you? I, no, we don't get paid by them, so we cannot do an advertisement. No. The first one is unsweetened fruity seltzer waters, a thing that I used to hate, and then I turned 30, and now I can't drink enough LaCroix. Now- I had this issue where I couldn't sleep for a while, Jordan. This I is the worst commercial I've ever listened to on a podcast. Mandy thought it was because of caffeine. It's not. I drank caffeine at night. And I could, I've been Wait, is this really what recently. you want to talk about or is this a bit? This is not a bit. It's just a thing about <laughs> my life. <laughs> I thought this was a bit. I'm like waiting for you to go on. It's but not like, about... The point is, I started drinking LaCroix in an attempt to drink less caffeine. It turns out caffeine wasn't my issue. I just have insomnia. So, I've been doing really good about sleeping lately, but do you know what the results of that has been? What, Cody? Not having... I wake up at 5 in the morning now. Without oh, an yeah, alarm. Oh, yeah, because your body's still used to only getting Because my hours, body is yeah. used to getting about three minutes of sleep a night. So, then it hits 5 in the morning. It's like, well, you're up now, right? You're awake. And I'm like... No, I don't need to be. And it's like, yeah, you're going to get out of bed, though. Like, cool. So it's either 3 a.m. or 5 a.m. that I wake up. It can't just be 8. Doesn't matter. Okay. So the two things I want to talk about. The first one is LaCroix. That was a joke. The first one is the movie Taxi Driver, which I watched recently. Oh, my gosh. Wait, Jordan, have you seen Suspiria or Sus... Mother Suspiria? Suspiria. Are you talking about the, like, ballet movie? Yes. I have not seen Suspiria, but again, I know what it is, just like Taxi. Watch that movie. It's good. The it's new one really or good. the original? Because the it is a new remake. one. Okay. No, it's a remake. The remake is fantastic. It's on Amazon Prime if you have Amazon Prime. I Otherwise, I don't know where do. it is. Yeah, so it's it's super good. It's absolutely worth the time. It's a fantastic it's like a beautiful movie. It's so weird. It's very uncomfortable. The like choreography is great oh you know um, i love good choreography in a movie dude because like what's one her of, name one of the best scenes in a horror movie i think was at the end of us the choreography between them two as they're like running through the event was was like yeah. a dance that's the only reason i bring it up is it's like a dance and i freaking love that scene so much yeah you definitely need to watch this okay because there's awesome. a whole lot of that my wife is calling me she knows i'm recording just answer I'm, the phone i'm I'll gonna answer this, it i'll cut this out no, we'll leave it. No, we we're not leaving. Oh, hey, hun, you're live on the air. What's up? I am so pissed off right now. Uh, get me like a, a medium vanilla concrete mixer with blueberries. So Derek, so like, what did Derek? So this is just an advertisement episode. This is just a freaking advertisement episode. Yeah, if not, that's fine. But you know, vanilla and blueberry. Yeah, with vanilla and blueberry. Yeah, just hang up the phone. She gets it. Jordan's yelling at me. He's very upset. She gets, she gets it. She's a smart woman. She knows how to order a shake. Hi, how's it going? Um. Anyway, Suspiria. 
that's not what I want to talk about, though. What I want to talk what? about is... What are you doing? What are you doing to me? I just remembered that I saw that recently and was like, oh, Jordan likes horror movies. I should talk to him about this. But I want you to watch it. And then we can talk about it. Oh, my God. Taxi Driver. So Taxi Driver is a very old movie that has Robert De Niro. And the reason I watched it is because Joker came out. Yeah. And everyone loved Joker. And I hated it. Didn't hate it. I it just was, was fine. thoroughly unimpressed with Joker. Isn't it whatever. Joker also basically the comedian as well? Or whatever that movie was with Robert De Niro in it as well? I think you're thinking about Taxi Driver. No, no. There's another movie about like a comedian like that's basically the Joker. But, oh God, what is it? Watchmen? No, you just talk about the thing and I'll find the movie. Anyways, so a bunch of people said that it was similar to Taxi Driver. So then I watched Taxi Driver. And so the thing that was most striking to me about Taxi Driver is one, it is a movie whose pacing is so weird because it was like kind of made long enough ago that movie pacing wasn't really fast. Like movies were a lot slower. There was a lot more kind of ambient time in a setting where King nothing of was really going on. The movie on. was King huh? of Comedy oh. with, like, with Robert De Niro, but it was... Yeah, the same thing as the Joker and kind of the same as Taxi Driver. Anyways, keep going. So I need to watch The King of Comedy. So there is so much of that movie that is just Robert De Niro, the insomniac, just cruising around New York at night in a car and nothing is going on. Like there is kind of a main story and most of the movie has nothing to do with that. It's just Robert De Niro going around, talking to people. Yeah. And I think... I'm trying to think of the right way to put this. What strikes me about Joker is that it's a movie that very much had a message, right? It was not without theme. It was meant to be about kind of like the cycle of like how society treats mental illness and how that kind of like feeds back into violence that feeds into mental illness feeding. You know what I mean? It's like this cycle of like, there is a person like the Joker that society crushes into the Joker, right? Like he didn't come from nowhere. It was like a society brutalized this person and just like left him forgot. I think that Taxi Driver is similar in that the main character is someone who is like kind of just like a cast aside person in society. He just becomes like this car driving vampire cruising around New York. But it never really like lands on him hat making any sense or doing any, like he does something kind of heroic at the end of the movie, almost by accident. Like he's just as likely to do something horrible as he is to do something heroic. He's just like so untethered that this like fantasy of violence becomes a reality as a character, you know? And I think that it's a movie that shows like a society that is like far more, Like, it lacks any cathartic point, is what I'm saying. It is just a rambling mess, and then it ends. And I don't think that's accidental. Like, I don't think Scorsese was like, whoopsie, I made a bad movie. I think that this was, like, his critique of society is that it, like, no, we don't, like, in Joker, it's kind of like society makes its own nemesis, right? Like, it society spawns its own villain from its own cruelty you know yeah and this is like no (laughs) the what he does is not like poetically related is robert de niro in joker yes wow that's hilarious and that's why the king of comedy comparison is so funny because robert de niro i think is the 
flip side of that where he is um the the basically the Joker character and there's another um guy who is the Robert De Niro character. But anyway. So in Taxi Driver, there's never that point where so the main character's name is Travis. There's never that point where Travis like has this person that like screwed him over and then he comes back and shoots him in the head on live television, right? And it's like the whole thing has come full circle, right? Like he you know, Joker fantasized about this talk show host and he tried to become him and then he got made fun of by him and then he killed him, right? It all comes full circle. Yeah. Like he ends up putting on the show. It's just different because society's twisted him. It's like, no, it's just unrelated. Like it's just, it's just society is weird. Travis exists and then he murders some people and it ends up okay. But it's not because he was like thinking clearly and had a strong moral. It was like, he just murdered the right people. So society rewarded him and like <laughs> patted him on the back and like, good job on the murders. He just was feeling violent though, you know? Um, but largely the movie is just taxi drivers sitting around. And um, the way my brother put it was just lying to each other. Like, it's just like people sh sitting around, like, I guess like the, the parlance, I don't know if we're allowed, are we allowed to swear on this yes. podcast or we are? I say so like, you know, you know, it's like shooting the shit, right? It's like that. It's like taxi drivers doing that. And they're all just lying and making up stories and trying to sound cool. Like at one point he asks advice from an old taxi driver who just has nothing to say to him. He's like, I don't know. It's your problem. I, I don't, I'm a taxi driver. What do you expect wisdom from me? And just like walks off. And I'm like, wow, that was a great scene that went somewhere. He has that thing where he's like obsessed with a woman who isn't interested in him, yeah, really. So it's you know, just Joker. It's literally just so it's Joker. Except it's like that doesn't go anywhere. He like tries to date this woman and she dumps him. <laughs> End of that story. Like wow, he's just like, and it's like he keeps trying to find a footing and like being something, and it just always just kind of falls into nothing. Like even after he does his like cathartic violence, it doesn't turn into anything. He's at the end of the movie. He's like. And I still am a taxi driver and everyone treats me exactly the same. Like, wow, it is a movie with no point where most of it is like mellow saxophone and nighttime New York. Like, oh boy. But I loved it. It was a really good movie. It was, it's one um, of those things where you say like a bunch of like bad things about a movie and then in the sentence with, oh, I loved it. That confuses the heck out of my brain. Where, oh, this didn't go anywhere. I did this, this, blah, blah. And it's like, oh yeah, but it was a freaking great movie and I loved it. I recommend it to all my friends. It's like, wait, what? It's a movie that doesn't club you over the head with its point. Yeah, yeah, no, I appreciate it. If that. it has a thesis to say, the main character doesn't stare straight down the barrel and yell it in your face, which I would say is exactly what Joker did. Where it's like, it had a point and the movie like stopped and Joker just stood and stared straight into the camera and was like, in case the audience is stupid, this is what the movie is about. What most movies nowadays do. But anyways, this is a wandering movie that was made by like a solo artist that if you draw meaning from good for you, you found meaning from it. And I like that. I like that it. It gets in your brain. You can be a little bit more pensive about it. It makes you think. It has a feel to it when you're sitting there watching the movie. You kind of, like, get that feeling of this, like, constant droning, like, insomniatic. Yeah, like, what's happening right now? Just loop that this person is in, you <laughs> Yeah, know? like, what's happening right now? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a good movie. You should watch it. Yeah. You, sh you should give Taxi Driver yeah, a chance. I mean, look, it's been on the list for years, but I just never got... Because, like I said, there was a Ghost in the Shell standalone complex episode that was based off of Taxi Driver, and, like, it does pretty much... What happened in that? Um, Basically, they're 
like this guy who's a taxi driver they have pretty much all like the criminal list of like oh yeah this guy could do a violence thing so she's been like riding in the taxi the taxi with the taxi driver like having these like like long conversations with him like to see like where his head really is at and yeah it's basically one of those things it's like like a quiet contemplative episode until the end i kind of want to watch this now yeah it's does he end up shooting a pimp i don't remember honestly it's been like three years since i've seen not well five years since i've seen that episode also i don't know if you're into this specific actor do you like harvey keitel i don't know who that is he was uh mr fox in uh pulp fiction a movie that you probably don't like yeah absolutely i uh harvey hold on and then i need to talk about my thing you always just it's been 14 minutes yeah. we even more like 10. we usually go to 10 minutes on these things i uh, sorry to 20 minutes so i have like six minutes left you're gonna take 45 minutes to read your chapter and i'm gonna take six so i get to fill my time here you're right? not gonna take six minutes to read your chapter because that no yeah, i'm not gonna like, take six you, you are that, gonna take 45 like that, that, <laughs> i'm gonna take about 30 but whatever i don't know who this man is anyways he plays a pimp okay don't care that- <laughs> It's a fun character. So the two, you know, Jordan, I had a second. Thing. Yeah, what's the second? See what I mean? You're gonna take the whole time talking about your things. What, Cody? What you should you shouldn't have talked about the freaking Lacroix at the beginning, or called your freaking wife in the middle of my ep- of this episode. No, I didn't call her. She did call me, and I do not remember what my second thing was. Why are you wasting my time? Why? 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 I just, I just like to. Okay, anyways, really, honestly, you get so, so upset. So, the one thing we already talked about this, but I did want to say this for the show because it's my recommendation for the audience. What? What are you looking at me for? Complaining about me at wasting time. Uh, we've already talked about this, but yeah, because I want to say the recommend. I, I hate you. I literally hate you. So, this is of the movie Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. It was really okay, fantastic yeah. the only thing is after hearing you talk about taxi driver at certain points it's like i don't know if you're actually gonna like this movie but i loved it i think it to me was one of the best things i have seen in a while and um so it is like an absurdist comedy drama and i love uh, absurdist humor and i love absurdist like um comedies like the movie sorry to bother you is another absurdist movie and they're, they're just Really weird, really crazy, really fun. But I think that not only did it have like a lot of points where I was like almost rolling on the floor laughing, but then it flipped it back around and had like a, a very good meaning of the movie. And there was like some stuff that like slaps you over the head, but it like it had very strong emotional points as well, and wasn't just absurdist comedy the whole way through. Like they did like something with what they were going for. And then the other part that I liked is that like. It's not wholly original because, like, the idea of multiverses and accessing multiverses exists, but I think it was more original than 90% of the things I've seen released recently, and the fact that they took this idea of multiverses and made it its own unique and very weird and very crazy thing was really great, and it was great to see something that wasn't just a remake, and it was great to see something that wasn't just like, oh yeah, this is the sequel, or this is still part of the Marvel Universe, and it was just this wholly unique, wholly just wild thing, and the actors were all great. Um, One of the actors hasn't been in Hollywood for like 30 years and this is his first time back and he killed it he did so well in the movie and i'm really glad that he's back because um 
so so it was the guy who um played the Asian kid from um the Goonies and then the um psychic characters from the Indiana Jones movie, the second one, Temple Doom. Oh my gosh, is that the same yeah, person? The, the, I've never seen the Goonies. Yeah, okay. He played short round and data from the um those two movies. And like a lot of his characters up until um recently were all like very stereotypically written characters. And that was like one of the reasons like he left like Hollywood and like didn't act for a long time but like he's back in this movie and I'm just so happy he's back because he did such a good job in this movie and it was really funny and his characters were great and I don't know and Michelle Yao I think from um Crouching Tiger Hidden Dragon and also from um Crazy Rich Asians are the two movies I've seen her in recently and like she, she was that movie good I haven't seen that movie. I, I I really liked it I, I really liked Crazy, Crazy Rich Asians it's it's yeah, I thought it was funny. Like you like romance movies, right? And so, I do. Yeah, I think you'll yeah. like it. Um, but yeah, I I just I thought the movie was great. I thought that the people in the movie were all great. I thought that the costuming designs and like some of the set design stuff was really fun. And just like some of the weird dumb things that happened literally had me rolling on the floor. So I, I do suggest it for you. Why are you giving the weird look about your milkshake? I hate what's happening in this freaking show. So Cody literally in the middle of the show is walking across the room to grab the milkshake from his wife because they switched the shakes backwards. That's I, I just wanted to make sure because I did explain that for the audience how upset I am that that happened. But yeah, so anyway, so the first one I had was every everything everywhere all at once. Um, and then the second thing we also talked about, but I do want to like give a little bit more is um, I started playing Cyberpunk 2077. And here's what I will say about it. Oh. There are a lot of bad things in it. There are a lot of things that I absolutely hate. And I'm going to go really quickly through like things that I think are just real badly done in this game. One, the driving is so horrible that I tried to drive down the street. It is so Terrible. bad that I ended up running over multiple people getting the cops sicked on me. And I wasn't even trying to do like a Grand Theft Auto thing. I was just like you tap either right or left and you go completely across the street. Okay, I got a quick thought on that. I never bought a car in I've that game. I've been running everywhere. Because the fast cars are impossible to drive. So you are better served by driving the slowest car the occasional times that you can't just fast travel. Okay. It and is that's my other busted. point, and I don't know, but like on the start menu map, the one that I mainly use, is you don't see where the um, fast travel points are. It doesn't show you where the fast travel points are, so you just have to walk past them. Unless I'm doing it wrong, but just when I start menu map, you can see I those. cannot see them on the start menu map. You can... There is a way to okay, find where cool. they are. I, I'll I don't have remember to figure what it that is, out though. because I can't see them, so I've just been running until I find one and then fast traveling the rest of the way. And sometimes I don't find it until I'm like already halfway there. And that's a dumb thing that happens. Two, the gunplay isn't that great. And it's fine. And, and there's just other like gameplay. Like I don't think the gameplay of the game is that great. What I will say is that I love the aesthetic. I love this cyberpunk city way more than I like the new Ghost in the Shell one. And I think that if this was how the Ghost in the Shell movie looked and felt, well, sorry, the Ghost in the Shell recent anime looked and felt, I would have liked it a lot more because I like the feel of the cyberpunk. I really like the city. I really like I being. agree with all of that. The other thing I like 
is kind of like this because I so I started playing it because I wanted like a story driven game, but I wanted something that was like more role play, like Horizon Zero Dawn. Like you're just Aloy, and I'm not really that into the character of Aloy this time around because they kind of like do some little tropey things. They're like, oh, I don't need friends, I can do this on my own type things. I was like, I've seen this a million times, I'm done. So the opposite of cyberpunk? Yeah, and I don't know. I'm not that far into cyberpunk, actually. Oh, well, very little of the game you're by yourself. Yeah, but, but the thing I liked is that I get to, like, role play a little bit more. Like, like I wish that you could role... I wish it was, like, more like a Skyrim where, like, it was so open and, like, the story and things change based on what you do. But, like, it, it does kind of shoehorn you and flag you into being, like, a certain personality type and a certain person throughout. And I'm just like, okay, whatever. But... The character that I made and, like, how I'm kind of role-playing her in my mind, I really like. Like, I, I so, like, character design-wise, I did a very specific choice. I made her, like, pretty much, like, no cybernetic enhancements. No, she just looks like a normal person. The only thing is she has, like, a little bit of metal on her neck, but everything is just completely normal person. I'm like, oh, yeah, this is a person. She's a nomad. She never really got into that, but wants to, like, go into Night City to, like, experience that, like, thing. I'm just, and, and I don't know. But there was, like, one moment when I was playing it yesterday that I'm like, this, you guys have knocked it out of the park story and aesthetic and feel-wise is after the intro where a certain character dies, you, like, you have the option of, like, going and being part of the funeral. And I did that immediately because I'm like, okay, this character just died. I'm going to go, like, do the funeral thing, even though, like, you could probably do it anytime. So I ran literally all the way across the map into an area where it's like, oh, everything here can kill you. <laughs> so I ran all the way across the map and I did the funeral. And there's a moment where, you, like, you have to go get, like, something to, like, you know, that reminds you of this person to, like, show at the funeral. Like, part of, like, the... I guess the offering, offerenda or whatever. And so you go across the street to like his locker and his girlfriend is just sitting on the side of the street. And like that moment in the conversation that you have with her and everything just felt so real, so human. Like I could put myself into that day. Like the sun is beating down on your shoulders. You're like, like you hear like the ambient noise, of like a car honking in the distance. And just like the way they set up that whole scene of like sitting next to her and like talking to her through her grief was just such a real vid like moment in this like video game that's like really over the top like hyper violent hyper sexual all this and you just have like this extremely human moment i was like that's what i want in a video game i love this it's kind of funny i was talking to my brother about this because i i was I, I absolutely agree with you that to me this game doesn't exactly nail story, but it does nail its characters. Like, you kind of want to be best friends with everyone that you meet. Almost to its fault, where, like, <laughs> there's, like... You get to a certain point and, like, everyone is very likable, you know? There isn't, yeah. like, bad guys. There there are villains that are just, like, evil mustache twirlers, yeah. and then everyone else is like, can we be best friends? I want to be your best friend, you know? But they do a good job of writing those characters to be really um endearing. But what I was saying to my brother was, I was like, you know, the world is so, like, grim and miserable that it, like, it ends up making sense for people to come together. You know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> It's like everything is so awful in the setting that it's like everyone is friends now, you know? I don't know. I, I, I agree. I agree with like that. And I, I just really like the, the characters that I've gotten to meet 
so far and that's like what's kept me playing it was like the like that moment that i talked about when i played with her yesterday where like yeah you sit down on the like side of the street and start talking like through this person's grief and then like you go through his storage unit and room and like that she had never been into and she's like talking about like all the things that like, it was just like such a human moment and i was like you get this is more human than a lot of the things I played. So uh, it's like, it's these things I like. I hate a lot of cyberpunk. I absolutely hate a lot of cyberpunk. But those little... The human, driving is The driving is... Like, yeah, I literally tapped right and went onto the street and killed six people. And then it's like, oh, the cops are after yeah. me now. And it's like, literally all I did was try to um, merge onto the freaking street. Yeah, the, the driving is useless. The gunplay to me was it's like... Fine. It's not special. There's nothing special about it. Right. It was inoffensive, and you can, like, build perks that make your character kind of, like, fun and feel cool, but the actual shooting of the guns and how the guns, like, look is pretty, like, you just always use the one with the highest number. Yeah. You know? It's... Yeah. It, unless you do what I did and you get the one katana that does 300% critical damage, and then you make just your character crits, so you yeah. always crit, and it's... <laughs> ridiculous <laughs> and then you build all your abilities into like you heal when you kill people and time slows down when you get hurt <laughs> it's like you play the whole game in matrix time decapitating everyone in one yeah, hit yeah, you're a really melee fun. person i'm going for net person but for some reason like me hacking into things just wasn't working yesterday so like i didn't do any mission i literally just talked to people and then like i guess i can't kill anybody tonight because my all my skills are into hacking so if I can't hack, I'm useless. Anyways, Cody, game sucks, but the story moments are good. Um, so let's roll for initiative. We're doing stories again this week. Last week was just the Love, Death, and Robots bonus episode, so we're back to just reading some stories. And yeah, I have a transition chapter, and I have no clue what Cody's doing. You're going to be mad, Why? I think. I also already Why am rolled. I going to be mad, Cody? You'll see. You rolled low. Is that what you're saying? I did already roll. Okay, I rolled an 11. What did you roll? I rolled a 10. <laughs> You you know you have not gone first at all. I, I I did not. I am just rotating it to show you. You have you know you have not gone, and my rolls have been up and down. You have not gone first once in this entire second. And this series. time I was like, I usually just use a dice yeah. roller on my computer because I'm garbage. And this time I was like, I'll get out an actual dice. All right. And I was just playing with it. And then I was sitting here and went, okay, I'm actually going to roll the dice. This will be my official roll. Roll that's been sitting here at 10 for like the whole time we've been talking. 10. Okay. So I'm reading my chapter from the book that I am writing called No Name, Good. Wishes, and Monsters. Just get up that hill. Chapter 18, back to square one. Um, this is a transition chapter. It's very long. So I'm going to try my hardest to get through all of it. I didn't want to split this into two chapters like I did the rest of the last one because I don't want to do multiple weeks of a transition. So I'm going to try to speed through this, but still do a good job. So yeah, they're so I'm really, I'm really impressed with how well this story is going to run up a hill. Jordan. <clears throat> are you, are you, um, stranger things seeing me right now? I don't know what you're talking about. You just really gotta, just, just got, really I'm gotta run, get up, that, up that hill. That hill. You know? You're listening to that song right now. Just, just, just right run up, up that, that hill. hill. Just run, just run up, up that, that hill. hill. No one who hasn't watched the season is going to get what you're doing at all. Anyways, chapter 18, back to square one. The ride back to the hospital was a blur. I was too focused on the pain and swelling in my arm to realize how fast the time had passed by. Nate said some things to calm me down. I tried to listen. Still, it all went in one ear and out the other. 
Once the adrenaline died down, the reality of what happened hit me in the face like a brick. To think, I somehow found myself seconds away from being torn apart by yet another monster. One missed step, or even one slip-up, and everything would have been over. The reality is, I should have died. Back when I faced the doppelganger, I remember giving up, accepting that my life was over because, quite frankly, back then I did not care about what happened to me. If I had died, then I felt like I deserved it. So why did I care so much about it right now? When we made it to the hospital, Eli wasn't around anymore, much to our luck. I knew we were only delaying the inevitable reaming that was to come. We would have to deal with that when we got there. My arm and Nate's cuts and scrapes were the more important matter at hand. When we first got in, Nurse Sarah met us in the lobby. Her mouth hung agape with surprise, but she acted quickly and professionally. Sarah quickly set up to have x-rays taken to make sure I didn't do more damage to my arm by running. The plan was to try and stop the swelling, set the bone in place, and cast my arm into arm so it could heal. The focus was on getting me in and fixed up, but when Sarah gave Nate a quick look up and down, she put in an order to have Nate's wounds cleaned and stitched up. We were both in such sorry state, and we didn't even achieve our goal. In my mind, this mission was a complete failure. I was worried that Eli would make both of us go back out there in the state that we were in. Nate and I were separated when I was taken back to have my arm looked at. I didn't necessarily want to be alone through this. Luckily, Sarah was there as well. She was with me the whole time, though I could tell she wasn't happy about it. I could tell she was worried about us in the state we were in. She wore her worry as a deep scowl on her face. I didn't know if she was trying to hurt me, but the way she handled my arm during the x-ray process was nothing short of torture. She had given me something to bring the swelling and pain down. Unfortunately, that didn't help with the gauntlet of movement she put me through. She moved me back and forth, up and down, twisted left and right, sending pain shooting through my arm and tears to weigh down my eyelashes. I tried not to scream, but the pain made that feat nearly impossible. Sarah claimed it was all to get the best pictures so she could help deliver the best care. Though the way she wore that scowl on her face, it was hard to tell what her intentions were. After she finished taking the x-rays and sent them to one of the doctors for her final opinion, she sat down across from me and let out a deep, long sigh. Okay, so a preliminary look. Your left radius has an oblique fracture. It doesn't look like it's displaced too far, so following words from higher up, I will set it and put a compression brace on it and finally a hard case for protection. Hard cast for protection. It will take a few weeks to a month to heal, and you'll need a lot of painkillers today if you still plan on working. You're fine for the most part. Sarah's look softened, though I could tell she was still upset. Thanks, Sarah. I mean it. They're going to need this room for testing and x-rays, so I'm going to have to put a temporary splint on you and get you to another room to do the rest of the work, Sarah said in a professional manner. Then she softened again and asked in a gentle tone, Before we get that far, what happened out there? When I first started working here, Nate told me something along the lines of, No matter how hard you planned or how easy you think the job is going to be, it can always go south in a matter of moments. I sat with an exhale as I tried my best to impersonate Nate's tone and demeanor. I thought about what they said, and I thought about what they had said all the time. We were always on a vast spectrum when it came to how prepared we were, but it, was all, but it always held true. Things almost never worked out the way we expected them. This time was worse than all the others. Nate wasn't wrong when they said that. It held true. This time, things turned into a mess quickly. 
I guess we got too cocky for our own good and expected it to go easy. I looked down. I was embarrassed that things had gone so wrong. Yeah, I see that with a lot of you field agents. I don't blame you. You and Nate have been on a streak recently. It's very easy to get a big head over all of that. So, what happened? Tell me every detail, okay? You both had me worried to my stomach when I saw you walk in. I opened up like a book and told Sarah everything. I didn't know her that well, even after the Marion Hospital incident. It felt easy to open up after seeing how much Nate trusted her. I started from how the picture Jane showed us formed our expectations into thinking we would only find a small wolf. I told her how we saw the black goo and tracks all over the school and about the other rooms that were completely destroyed. I told her about finding nothing on the third floor and then running into the beast back on the second. Her scowl returned throughout the story and deepened when I talked about breaking my arm, having to make a, the run for it, and Nate jumping out from the window. She twisted a loose lock of her tied-back hair throughout the story and would close her dark eyes during the especially gory details. By the end of the story, I couldn't tell she wanted to hit me or comfort me. Finally, she let out another sigh and looked me in the eyes. Look, being the friend of a friend is always weird, but I care about you, Danny. Both you and Nate are important to me. You guys have to be careful. You can't go running face first into danger and only escape through dangerous stunts. She touched my arm lightly and shook her head harshly. I know, I'm sorry. We really let this one get out of hand. I understand that, though you field agents are in and out of here so quickly. I don't want the next time you leave here to be in a body bag. I could tell that despite this being her line of work, she hated seeing so many people get hurt. I became a nurse so I could help the living, not tend to the dead. I know. I promise we will be more careful. Okay, and while you're at it, promise me that you and Nate will take care of each other. Her phone beeped and she pulled it out and looked down for a second. Always, Sarah. We always have each other's back. I said back in what I hoped was a reassuring tone. Okay, I got the go-ahead to move forward. Let's get you to a room where I can work. Sarah said, trying to force a cheerful tone. I could tell she was still upset, but we were moving forward now. Sarah led me out and down the hallway to the main wing. She asked one of the other nurses if she could take one of the general rooms and then set me up so she could finish working on my arm. I sat down and propped my broken arm up on a workstation with an overhead light. Sarah went to get supplies. She was honestly the best person for a job like this, and I was happy that she started working with no name after the Marion incident. I wondered if Sarah ever missed what she had left behind, and if she was ever worried about working in the more turbulent world of tending to those affected by anomalies. She was here, and this is really all that mattered. Sarah worked quickly on my arm. She cleaned the wound and set the bone with a nice quick snap. Even though it was quick, I screamed out as if she was ripping off my arm. She then applied what No Name called a compression brace. It was a thin black tube of cloth that fit tightly over my forearm. The brace was freezing at first, but Sarah used the tool to heat it. With heat, the brace tightened and formed to my arm, giving support but still allowing flexibility. The brace was also designed to regulate temperature and help, smooth, and help soothe the wound during the healing process. Sarah explained that when No Name Science Division wasn't studying the anomalies, anomalous energy, or making tools to handle the anomalies, they were coming up with experimental medical devices to help the agents recover from injuries. Because Jane was a civilian and the brace was still in testing, Nunnam did not use one on her, and stuck to normal methods. 
I'm like, Jane, apparently I signed some waivers when I first started working at No Name, so I was fair game. I hope I wouldn't come to regret that later. About halfway through the procedure, Nate called Sarah to let her know they were done with stitches and on their way to meet up with us. Unfortunately, Nate also told us Eli was informed of what happened during the job and was on his way to follow up with us. I was dreading to face him again. I knew he didn't like the way we worked, but knowing that we went out there and completely bombed the job would probably make his distaste for our work ethic much worse. I could tell Sarah sensed my nervousness, so she tried to make small chit-chat as she started to apply a hard cast to my arm. I would need the extra protection if I planned to be out in the field right away. We were almost finished with the process when we heard a light knock at, at the door. I was expecting Nate to walk through the door, but instead I heard Eli called in a frustrated tone. Hold on one second. We need to talk now. Whatever you have to say, I already know. Things got messed up and we have to fix this. You're probably going to tell us we have to fix it right this instant. You don't even need to be here to tell me that. Nate said in an equally frustrated tone. What the hell happened out there? I thought you two had a handle on things. The source wasn't at the school, the monster grew exponentially, and it got the jump on us, Nate snapped back. How does something like that get the jump on you? You should have been prepared. Oh, what are you saying? We should have used the sensors? Nate said in a sarcastic tone. The whole place was covered in traces of the anomaly. The sensor was lighting up like a Christmas tree. How were we supposed to know where it was? You could have easily looked at the sensor and seen which part of the signal was moving. It would have been easy to track the monster and make sure you weren't cut, caught off guard. You are the lead operative. You need to think. You need to be better than this, Eli continued, putting emphasis on need. So now you have some advice on how to do this. I get it. We fucked up. I overlooked something simple. We made it out alive and we can go back and figure this out. They're just a few minor injuries. Nothing to worry about. Your partner broke his arm, and I heard your injuries were from jumping out of a second-story window. Why must you do everything in the most reckless way possible? It was the quickest way to the car, and it led to us being able to escape. I did the best with the situation I was handed. You act like we completely failed, but we got fresh samples from the monster itself. The science division should be able to figure out what this thing is and help us find a way to get rid of it, despite its obvious regenerative abilities. And that's all well and good, but the rest of the job was a complete mess. You have to admit this is a sloppy excuse of your usual work, Eli shot back. If you think I'm failing you, have someone else take over the job, Nate yelled. I could almost hear them throwing their hands up in frustration. We are out of resources this week. You two are the best we have left for this job, especially since the danger level went up, Eli said, lowering his voice to his usual authoritative tone. Oh, so all that shit you fed us about being the best team for this job was to butter us up. That's not the point right now, Eli said sternly. Look, you are going to hate this, but I'm going to need you two to go back out there. I already guessed that. Didn't you say it yourself? We are injured. You're going to send the guy with the broken arm to fight a giant wolf monster? Super cool, Eli. You're really handling this well, Master Handler. As Eli took a pause before he continued, Sarah looked at me and said, I'm glad I'm in here and not out there. Sorry you guys have to deal with that. We had both been eavesdropping intensely, and Sarah had even stopped her work at points to pay attention to the commotion going on outside. You two are the best to handle this job. 
you need to be more careful. We can't let that thing run wild, and we don't have other resources to send to the field. You two have to go. Science and cleanup will do what we can on our side, and you guys do your job, Eli said. Perfect. Thanks. Glad it's so easy to do. We will handle it, okay? And you can sit behind your comfy desk and continue to judge us, Nate said in a cold, bitter tone. I'm doing my job, so do yours. Eli paused. I could tell he was trying to calm himself. This wasn't the first time either of them went at it like this. I know this is a turbulent situation, but we need to be quick about this, Eli said back to Nate softly. Whatever, Eli. I get it. I'll do my job and you do yours, Nate said in a defeated tone. Right then, the door swung open and Nate stepped through with an angry look on their face. Eli put up his hand to say one more thing. Make sure you let me know what your... Nate slammed the door on Eli's face before stepping further into the room. Plan of attack, Eli finished weakly from the other side of the door. Nate walked up to Sarah and I and scrunched up their face. They released, then distorted their face again to the same angry scowl while sticking out their tongue, then released again while letting out a pleh. They had ditched the sweater that they had torn up jumping out of the window and were wearing a simple black tank top. I could see the bandages around the areas where they had gotten stitched up. They made it out much better than I did, but they were still pretty banged up. You okay? I said to Nate. Sarah was finishing up with my arm. I know I'm going to hear about that later. I get it. Things got messed up. I'll go back there and figure out the rest of this job, Nate said exasperated. You know I'm going with you too, right? I said back. You're hurt. You don't need to be out there monster hunting with me. You'll end up getting hurt again. Nate continued to sound completely defeated. Yeah, but you can't go out there alone, Sarah butt in. I'm your partner. We are in this together, regardless of what you think. Remember our rule? No one shoulders the whole mission on their own. I may have broken my arm, but that doesn't mean I am useless. Plus, Sarah fixed me up pretty well, and I know the magic of painkillers. Sarah finished the cast and gave me a thumbs up. I lifted my arm and the dull pain throbbed through it again. Sarah began to clean supplies off the table. Fine. There you go again, pulling that card. We will go together, but this time we will be more careful. The goal is to find the damn source, not get eaten, Nate said, running their hands harshly through their hair. They looked ragged and frustrated. They were starting to fold under the pressure of the job. To be quite honest, there was a large part of me that didn't want to go. I was feeling the pressure as well. Sense of duty and the so-called power of friendship aside, deep down I was afraid. I was scared of what would happen if we came to cr came across that monster again. It would possibly be even bigger than the last time, but the one thing that beat out my fear was the safety of others. First, I didn't want Nate to face that thing alone. Going out there on their own would be a bad idea no matter how you looked at it. I was down one arm. I was at a disadvantage, but I could still provide support. Then, on the other hand, there was the safety of the public. If that monster went after anyone else, it would be game over. I couldn't let that happen no matter how scared I was. We will be okay. Science has the samples. They will help us come up with a way to stop the monster from hurting others. All we have to do is find the source. We are on the easy part now. I couldn't tell if I was trying to reassure Nate or myself. You guys are good at what you do. Don't get ahead of yourselves and you'll be okay. Sarah said. She was finishing up cleaning and stood up to, to start putting stuff back in her emergency kit. She would soon roll the table and her supplies back to where she got them and continue her rounds for the day. 
I know, I know. You sure you're okay with this, Danny? You're pretty busted up. Don't worry about me, okay? If I wasn't sure, then I wouldn't say I'm in. Okay, 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 they said, letting out a deep breath. I'm going to head out and get some equipment for our next search, and I'll come back to pick you up when I'm ready. You try to get some rest. Don't want to wear you out quite yet, Nate said with a shrug. You're not going to run off on your own, are you? Sarah said to Nate. I was wondering the same thing, too. It would be very easy for Nate to leave me to go save the day by themselves. Being rash like that gets you killed, and I'm not planning to die today. Sarah wrapped Nate into a tight hug. Thank God, you've grown up, kid, she said, and then let Nate go. Gee, thanks, Mom, Nate said, playfully brushing off Sarah. You good, Danny? Yeah, I'm going to take it easy till you get back. Probably going to check on Jane. I know she can't be cleared till science gets the results back, so I hope she isn't too bored. Good. She seems like a good kid. Keep her company. This place can be such a drag. Nate turned and walked out the door. They were going to do their own thing, and I knew they probably needed the space to clear their head. I could tell they felt terrible about the thing, about how things turned out, and having Eli hold the senior operative card over their head probably didn't help. It wasn't their fault, and I could tell Nate that a hundred times over, but I knew that they felt that they personally messed things up. All I could do was reassure and support. I was learning that was my job as a friend. I stretched out my arm and looked at my cast. The cast went down from my elbow all the way to my wrist. It wrapped around my thumb and covered part of my palm, but for the most part, I had full motion of my fingers. I could still pick things up and hold them. That was much more... Okay. That was so much more than I was expecting. Sure, my arm got fucked up pretty bad, but overall the pain was manageable. Sarah looked me over and then smiled. You are probably exhausted after all of that. You can use this room to nap or whatever, and I will make sure no one barges in here. After you are done, I'll have someone come clean clean up. No worries, okay? Thanks for everything, Sarah. I'm sure you have stuff to work on, so take care. I said, giving her a quick smile. She smiled and walked out of the room, taking the cart of supplies and giving it a quick wave before she left. I took a deep breath and let out a long sigh. This wasn't where I thought the day was going. It was better than being dead, but it was still a mess. I looked at my arm again. This was the first time I broke a bone. In school, I remember there was always at least one kid with a broken limb at all times. Roughhousing, mishaps during exploring, injuries during sports were all things that caused broken bones for other kids. All things that didn't happen to me. The pain was weird to me. It never faded. It was ever-present as a constant throbbing reminder that working for no name was dangerous. As if I didn't know that before. For some reason, this made the danger of the situation feel more present. It was as if one more wrong move and I would be back in the same state I was after the doppelganger, if not worse. I shuddered at the thought of facing the monster again, then tried my hardest to suck it up. It was my job to protect others from anomalies. If I wanted to be some kind of hero, I had to act like it. Of course, things were dangerous. Being able to face danger and push through to the other side was part of the job description. I stood up and shook off the negative feelings the best I could and headed over to Jane's room. I half expected to see Eli in the hallway still sulking after his fight with Nate. Surprisingly, he was nowhere to be found. I guess no resources to help us in the field probably meant he was very busy this time around. He probably only had enough time to come and scold us. That being said, I hadn't seen Alistair for a bit either, so something must have been up. It seems like we were in this one alone. 
except the help of the science division and the cleanup crew, neither of which were experienced in field work or facing anomalies head on. When I made it to Jane's room, I gave a quick knock before entering. She was staring up at the TV across the room and turned when I came in. Look, we're matching. I held up my broken arm and pointed to the cast. She greeted me with a smile and then a look of horror when she saw my arm. What happened out there? She asked, shocked. Turns out your monster wolf had a bit of a growth spurt. It kind of got the jump on us. Wait, what happened to your partner? They're not... No, no, it's all good, I said, cutting Jane off before they could jump to conclusions. They went out to get supplies when we go back out to find the thing. You're going back out there? We have to. Things are a bit dicey right now. I can't let that thing hurt anyone else. I'm sorry, Jane said, sadly looking down. Why? Because without me, you wouldn't be in this mess. Hey, now, it's not like that, I said calmly and gently took a step closer to Jane's bed. We would have gone after the thing anyways. It's way better that we found out about it now rather than before it got to this size and hurt many more people. It's not your fault. Really? She asked. I promise. You know, this is the worst. What's up? You see something when you are young and think it could be a sign all those ghost stories you heard when you were a baby could be real. Then you spend your whole life being teased that thing you know is true isn't true. You spend all of your time trying to find something, some sort of proof, and then when you finally get there, it tries to eat you alive. Yeah, life can be rough that way. I wonder what she meant when she said she saw something as a kid. I thought this was a strange hobby she had, but maybe it went deeper. I wanted to push, but at the same time, I didn't want to push the kid away. It seemed unfair to stop them. I was so scared when I saw my wolf. I thought I would be excited seeing a monster. Instead, all I thought was I was going to die. I wanted to prove everyone wrong. Now people are getting hurt. It's all my fault, Jane said, starting to tear up again. She kept looking down and turned her head to the side to avoid eye contact with me. Her hair covered her face and she gripped the unused sheets of her hospital bed trying to hold back a flood of emotions. Hey, these things exist whether or not you stumble upon them. It's our job to stop them. I promise you we will finish the job and make sure everyone is safe, I said. I wanted to ease her mind. It was easy to fall into thinking everything was your fault, especially in situations like this. She didn't deserve that kind of pressure. <laughs> you sound like some kind of superhero. You promise me you guys won't die? Jane said, still refusing to look up. I promise, I responded. Everything will be okay. Nate and I know what we are doing. Well, at least some of the time, I laughed. Jane finally looked up at me. Her eyes were red from <laughs> slight tears, but she held a genuine smile on her face. Thanks for listening. Most people don't give me the time of day. You guys have, and that's super cool. You're welcome. You said you wanted us to fill you in, so I wanted to make sure you knew everything that was going on. I'm probably going to go out and rest for a little bit before we head back out. Thanks for stopping by. This is all scary, but really exciting. You'll probably be out of here soon. The doctors are analyzing that goo stuff, and if it's all good, you can go home. Have your parents stopped by yet? I asked. Um, well, no. My mom, well, uh, my mom is always super busy. Can't really leave work, so I am good on my own. No big. Something seemed off about the whole situation, so I decided to ask. Is everything okay, Jane? Yeah, yeah, of course. It's no big deal. Mom is super important, I guess. And that makes her always busy, you know? Don't worry about me, okay? 
I'm good. I'll find a way to make it home when I'm released, Jane said. She seemed in control, but I didn't want to leave it all alone if something was up. It seemed wrong to leave a kid in the hospital all alone. I wondered if her parents even knew she was here. Teens could be a bit much sometimes, but hopefully things were all right for her at home. Well, if you need anything, you can ask anyone here. School sucks, but you're not alone, I said back earnestly. I wanted to believe that if things were bad, she would tell one of us. Maybe I was overthinking things, but I told myself that next time I saw Alistair or Eli, I would ask them to be on the lookout for Jane. Thanks, Mr. Victory. Eh, just call me Danny, okay? The whole Mr. thing makes me feel ancient. Sure, Jane said, shrugging back. Okay, I'm going to take off. You take care, and if I don't see you before you're released, take care. Everything is going to be alright, I said as I headed out of the room. Oh, also, if you need anything, ask Nurse Sarah. She's the best. Thanks, Jane said excitedly as I left the room and headed back to the room Sarah set aside for me. I wanted to rest for a little bit before Nate came calling. Despite the soothing cool of the brace that Sarah gave me, my arm still hurt every time I moved it. I was going to be, it was going to be a long night. I lay down on the couch in the room and stared at the ceiling for what felt like a couple of minutes. Apparently, at some point, I closed my eyes and dozed off because when I opened my eyes, I saw a dimly, I saw the dimly lit figure of Nate standing over me with their arms crossed. Sarah must have come by at some point and shut off the lights to let me sleep a little bit better. I appreciate the thought. She was, she really was Nate in my best support. Nate's back was lit by the light coming from the door to the hallway, and they wore a dull expression on their face. Nate was wearing a light black jacket to replace the thin baggy sweater from before, and their hair tied, and their hair was tied back as much as they could. I knew that they only did this when they needed to focus. They said it helped limit the extra distraction of their hair falling to their face. Yo, Nate said in a dead voice, as if they had lost all energy. I looked at their waist and saw an ammo belt loosely hanging from their hips and what I had come to recognize as no-name special explosive rounds. Hey, how did the supply run go? I asked, sitting up and rubbing my eyes to wake up. Sorry it took so long. I wanted to come at this as prepared as possible. Didn't mean to leave you hanging, they said, with slightly more energy than before. I knew they had been affected by what Eli said. It seemed like they were planning to take things much more seriously this time. It's alright. I was able to get some much needed rest. I think the painkillers knocked me out, I said, trying to stretch out a little bit. How's the arm? They gestured to my cast with a slight motion. Despite giving me time to rest, I could tell they were still very concerned. And well, they had every right to be. The pain was starting to come back with force, meaning it was time to take more painkillers. For the most part, I thought I would be fine. I could power through the pain if I needed to, and the job was more important than a throbbing arm. At that moment, I was prepared to keep going as long as I needed. It's about the same, but I'll manage. I looked up at Nate after stretching out my arms and twisting my back. Honestly, I'm kind of surprised you didn't leave me to go after the thing yourself. Not gonna lie, I thought about it a few times, but I'm not going to run off of myself and get killed. I don't want you to be sad and also the biggest and also I'm not the biggest fan of having the epitaph of here lies Nate was eaten alive, Nate said with a chuckle. Good, that's what I'm that's why I'm here, to be the dessert to your main course. You're right, no one does this alone. Where we go, we go together. The day is still young. We got a lot ahead of us. Yeah we do. What's the plan this time?
We start at the school and we follow the tracks into the forest. I will take points since you are injured and you will be the and you will man the sensor. We have a handheld mini GPS that will do just fine. You monitor which of the signals is moving and if it comes near us we go the opposite way. I have explosive rounds as a last resort if we can't get away fast enough. The thing can regenerate, and, but if we break it apart enough, that will give us enough time to get away. Okay, good plan, but what happens when we find the source, I said back. I needed to do my part to make sure we weren't leaving anything out. We mark it on the GPS and we give the, any visual information such as where it comes from and how it is made to headquarters. We aren't engaging, just investigating. Nate continuing in a confident but dead tone. Sounds good. Do you know how much longer the science guys will need to analyze the samples? The science division is still doing checks. It is some type of sentient, chemically manipulated, blah, 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 science stuff material. They are looking at how it propagates and if it is harmful. They need to keep studying it to figure out how to degrade and neutralize it since it is hostile. Should probably be a few more hours for the final verdict for Jane, and then maybe 12 more or so hours for something to kill it. If not, they will get a kill substance, as they are calling it, when they get the samples of the source, Nate said. They did their research this time. I was happy to see that they were in charge again. Nate was the type to bounce back even stronger than before. While I was napping, they were getting control of the situation. I felt slightly bad I left everything up to them, but I was glad they gave me time to recover, even if it was just a little bit. Seems like you got everything under control, huh? Yeah, this time I do. You ready to go? As ready as I'll ever be, I guess. I said back with a shrug. We both headed to the door. Hey, Nate? Yeah? We're going to die, aren't we? I said jokingly. I was truly scared, but I found it easier to joke about things that bothered me. It was a way to help ease the tension in the situation. Probably, Nate said, looking over the shoulder at me with a smug smile. Who do you think will give my eulogy? I asked. Nate laughed, turned back to me, and patted me on the shoulder. Well, as long as it isn't Eli, you should be fine. I don't know. I would kind of love to see what type of webs Alistair spins at a funeral, I said, laughing with Nate. Look, we're going to be just fine. And that is the end of my very long chapter. <laughs> no, I thought that was good, though. I enjoyed it. Yeah, sorry. I just wanted to, because the transition chapter, I didn't want to just leave it two weeks of just talking through boring parts. I under, Well, I mean, one, I, I don't think you should think about it as these are boring parts. Like, I think this is a good part of your story. Uh, but I understand that you just kind of wanted to, like, finish. The, there was not, I understand there was not really a natural break there. It didn't feel like, you know. And I, and I mean, boring. I don't think what I wrote was bad or boring. I just think, like, as a show, as a thing, to have two weeks of just transitioning into what's going to happen next. And the next part is a very long chapter. I just thought that was going to be a little boring to do. But, yeah. I wanted to flesh out a couple of things with this chapter, like the relationships with Sarah, since I'm going to have her be more of a character later times. Um, I wanted to like flesh out more of like the com like general conflict between Eli and Nate. And I just like the general feel of like this character who just went through like his first like true failure of a mission. No. And I do think you, you do, you're doing a good job of like introducing more characters, you know? Um, which I'm enjoying that there's, you know, more people for the story to interact with than just the two main characters. Yeah. I say Dude, two that, main characters. You know what I mean? Characters. Well, I guess, like, technically, like, 
I don't know that Nate is a main character per se as chapters. Are I not think since they're mainly but, you know, whatever. what the story is about, I think that makes them a main character. <laughs> I, I don't. I, I guess I just didn't know if there was some minutiae. No, there's not. About, like, it doesn't matter. Anyways. But it doesn't matter. Um, so, yeah. But no, I'm, I'm enjoying the inclusion of some si- and like fleshing outside characters. So they're not just kind of like brought up but never really explained so i i mean i enjoyed the chapter like i have i have no complaints about it well well, the thing is so like originally i just like so you talk about like discovery writing i say that like mostly i have a plan and i will say sarah is truly the only thing that was like discovery written in the first part because i needed like a character to like transition certain parts of that hospital arc and like, but but the way yeah. I wrote her, and I also went back to those earlier chapters and wrote a little bit more about her. But the way I wrote her, I wanted her to stick around and like be more of a character because it's interesting to get like that side of like someone who has known Nate for longer than our main character. So like you get that kind of like, yeah, she's kind of, like, right, almost like Nate's sister to a point. Yeah, right. That makes sense. Yeah, so I just wanted to like do a little bit more with her, and then like. Eli was mentioned multiple times in the first, like, arc, but, like, I wanted to actually, like, make him a character. And, like, he's kind of the foil of Nate in that, like, he is... So they both, like, grew up the same way, had a tragedy where they lost their parents, and they started working at No Name at a young age. But Nate went into, like, field work and has more of a lighthearted way of, like, looking at things and is very chaotic when it comes to getting things done. Really throws caution to the wind a lot of times. But Eli is more of the character who, like, grew up the same way, has, like, the same attitude towards, like, the anomalies, but instead on his side, he's, like the more went the administrative route and is the more um like serious of the two needs to have a plan like you see like, hey make sure even though they fall he's like hey make sure you tell me your plan and then nate slams the door on his face like no screw you but like i wanted to create these two who are very similar in the way they approach things but also very different and yeah, that's yeah. like something that they are going to clash over especially for the rest of like this art right no i think that makes sense to have like characters that like foil or complement each other and that's like fun to see them interact yeah and as you know and from the multiple things we have written together and written on this show i love writing a good fight <laughs> <laughs> like I, I i love writing a fight i hate when characters fight but i love like just write, <laughs> writing like the raw emotion of being angry at someone it, it's it's kind of fun to see like how like and those that's another part that kind of like is discovery right because like the arguments do evolve as i write them like i have like the points i want and then like the true like fighting each other is what like kind of evolves so i I enjoyed writing this but yeah i know for like the show having like a big long transition is a little bit harder to do yeah i i don't know i i I just i don't want you to be negative about your chapter i thought i did not feel like it was boring or people would be disappointed by it oh they better be disappointed or i'm gonna be disappointed all right you uh you ready for my uh you ready for my chapter? Yeah, let's do this. Okay, so where we left off, um Leonard and Liv just realized how similar those names are just now. Um uh, went to see Mary Lou, who is uh the ghost of a psychic. Um so yeah. I actually have to open the story. I closed the browser it was in. Wow, I read for 30 minutes and you forgot that you were on a show. Well, it was, it's just that I closed the tab. Hang on. Okay, here it is. Uh, all right. The little house melted away and I felt sick. 
I knew what she was going to show me, and I did not much wish to go back there. She seemed to think it means something, something important, something that I should be, something that should be informing my whole life. But I've yet to figure out what she means by it. She takes me back to my first kill, and I hate this memory. I'm standing in Roz's diner, Mary Lou is next to me. We both sit in an out-of-the-way booth as my memory plays around us. I watched this a few times, but it still punches me in the gut every single time. An old man walks in and sits beside a young man. That young man wore a black cowboy hat, and he had his sleeves rolled to his elbows. His jeans were a crisp, deep blue. His fancy cowboy boots stretched out in front of him. I hated looking at myself at 20. Gosh darn, Mary Lou, that old guy must be older. I must be older than the old man by now. He was 71 when you gunned him down. I looked over at my older and or my older and deadest friend. There is not there was no humor in her voice. She's just being blunt, making me face something that's haunted me for over 50 years. My young self is cocky, he makes me sick. Hey old timer, find it here all right without your depth perception? My younger self said to the old man as he sat down. The old-timer's name was Kirby Hans. He was tall and gaunt. He wore a shoulder host He wore a shoulder holster all the time over a white shirt with thin stripes, suspenders, black pants, a tie, and leather dress shoes. Did not matter what he was going to do or where he was going. He wore holes in those darn dress shoes marching around Bolivia. Him and his old Mauser pistol. He wore an eye patch over an eye that he said he had lost down a mine, but wouldn't say much more about it than that. Curl up and die in a hole, you cur. How rude you say this to your apprentice. You ain't shit yet. All you are is a kid that blew into town and thinks he's special because Mary Lou took a like. Yeah, yeah, all right. Well, let's get to proving my worth then. Roz's coffee is great, but I can only pay for so many cups of coffee. They're not feeding me for free yet, like you. How many monsters do I have to slay to get free coffee, Roz? Roz walks by, her face drawn, but she leans down and gives me a quick smile. Don't listen to Kirby, he's a grouch. You just keep helping people and we'll eventually help you. She straightens up. Kirby, here's your coffee. Can I get you anything else? A steak, Roz. Biggest you got, and keep the rolls coming. Me and the whelp have hateful things to slay. Her face is a mask as she walks off while I watch Kirby eat and drink. There's a wide berth around the table. My old self, too stupid to realize not a soul would sit near Kirby. No one but me. The memory bleeds on, and we found ourselves on horseback behind my younger self and Kirby. The horse is trotting calmly down the road towards one of the many outlying farms. So what did we hear? Something really terrible for me to kill, I hope? Not terrible, much worse than that. Something clever. Clever? I was hoping for multiple heads to mount on a wall. You know, a real trophy. Sharp teeth or something. I would take big and stupid over clever any day, Leonard. How about you keep your trap shut till you know anything? Hmm. Nah, the silence would be too uncomfortable. But if you hate my talking, how about singing? Then, to my eternal horror, I watched myself start to wail out the lyrics to some old love ballad while Kirby lights a cigarette and rolls his eyes. We came up on the the farm slow. The advent of cars has me used to the idea of rushing. But I got to watch myself just keep singing my horrible song all the way up to the front door. 
My younger self slides off the horse and rushes to knock. Mary Lou and I stood back and watched as the farmer came out. Hello there, mister. I am Leonard. It's a pleasure to meet you. Now, myself and my colleague, at that Kirby snorted, heard that you had some kind of clever beast that has been killing chickens and raising heck all over your lovely farm. We'd be glad to get rid of such a pest and shut your mouth, Kerr. I watch as Kirby shoves young Leonard's head out of the way as he walked up to the old farmer. I could see fear in the farmer's eyes. Where is it, Eustace? It's in the coop, Kirby. We saw it run in, and we didn't want to go in after it. Yeah, yeah, better to let the chickens die, I suppose, where I risk your own neck when you have mine. I was worried for my children, and well, you can always help, but don't worry, we have plenty of eggs, and we can throw a sack of flour on your horse, and we have some summer berry syrup as well. Thanks kindly for your hospitality. Then a young woman came up and stood beside the old farmer. I remember her being the most beautiful woman I had ever seen. Then I watched my younger, dumber self scramble up, chest puffed out, pulling off his hat and bowing deep. Afternoon, ma'am. Do not worry at all. We will have this chicken killer dead and you and your family safe, so don't worry a bit. Oh yeah, killer. Well, off you go. Get that little pea shooter of yours. It's not a pea shooter. It... It's one of the finest rifles ever made, Kirby. I just don't need a big bullet. I rely on skill alone. My younger self's wink my younger self winks at the blushing young woman, and I groan. Aw, you were cute back then. I was ignorant and a blowhard. But you were sweet, Leonard, and that does count. I cannot see for what. It's why we were friends. And this town needed someone sweet. Not sure what it needs now. We turn back to my memory and watch as I walk over to the coop. It's it's a high summer day. The heat is beating down on us as I watch myself pace over. The air is dry and the grass around the coop is a light brown. I can feel it crunch under my young... I can feel it crunch as my younger self walks heel to toe, totally silent up to the coop. I did not need Mary Lou's memory to play for this next part. I remember sliding the door open. I remember the blood sprayed on the walls. It was all the telltale signs of a predator where it was not meant to be. But more, I remember what I saw inside. Its gray fur was covered in blood. Its body was long and low to the ground. It had short arms with small, nimble paws. I stood in the door as a giant mink ate chicken. Its small, front-facing eyes stared at me. Before I could raise my gun, it scuttled close to me, stood up on its hind legs, now almost eye to eye with me, and swiped my hat. It curled back into the corner, where it nibbled on the brim of my hat before casting it aside, deciding it wasn't food. I walked in slowly, picked up my hat, distraught by the small bite marks on the brand new jet black cowboy hat, bite marks that remain there to this day. I raised my rifle, but seeing this almost man-sized mink... I didn't want to shoot it. It could kill people, without a doubt, but it hadn't yet. While I was thinking, it made up its mind. It lunged for me. My gun went off. I missed completely, just putting a pinhole in the metal siding of the coop. The huge mink did not just disarm me. With a a flick of its slender arms, the action dropped out of my rifle. Then the mink slid the plunger out of the magazine. Little parts of gun and shells fell around my feet. I just stared in shock as the mink slashed my face before running off into the grass. In my memory, we heard Kirby shout as we watched my the younger me stumble around, blood dripping from my face. 
Well, good job, idiot. You let the thing get away. How long does it take to shoot an animal? Kirby, it disassembled my rifle faster than I could think. No shit, dumbass. It's a goddamn supernatural creature, not a pet. Get on your horse and get after it. We watched as the two memories saddled their horses and rode off. The memory blurred and swirled around us, forming again on a scene that still takes my breath away. A river is running beside us through a forest of old trees. Oaks and black locusts, maples and elms rise high around us, creating a false darkness and a deadened sound. The ground is a grabbing mat of thorns and poison ivy. Smaller pawpaw trees grow under the river's shade. My younger self and Kirby crash through the brush along a deer trail that runs by the river. Meanwhile, the giant mink moves through the forest like I move on a road. It smoothly leaps into the water where it slithers like a snake, then up trees where it leaps from branch to branch like a massive squirrel. It was like watching a dancer do magic as the creature spun and twirled through the air and water. As it did, I could hear chittering like laughter. The mink was playing with us. The advantage of memory is it allows for the calm reflection of a time of stress. It was not just that the mink was graceful. The trees reached to catch it as it leapt, branches twisting to provide cover from Kirby blindly firing into the trees. Meanwhile, I watched two fools crash through the woods like bulls in a china shop, Kirby dressed like a darn reporter and me the cowboy. Then, Kirby got lucky. A shot managed to hit the mink. Didn't kill it, just grazed it. But blood didn't pour out of the wound. Something else did, thick and syrupy like sap. It leaked down its arm, dripping onto the ground. Mushrooms sprouted where it bled. And the massive mink snarled, now staring at Kirby as it stalked towards him. He was fumbling, trying to reload, but the mink was too fast and leapt on him, tossing the gun aside as the two men went into the river. I watched as Kirby started trying to box the mink as it danced through the knee-deep rushing water. Me and Mary Lou stood... Sorry. Me and Mary Lou stood as I had to remember the sinking feeling. My younger, dumber self went for the gun and turned to see Kirby draw a knife. He was covered in cuts and breathing hard, and he had murder in his eyes. I heard my younger self shout for him to run, and I watched as Kirby grabbed the mink and tried to stab it in the eye. I felt sick. I saw myself gun down the old man. He fell in the river and washed away. We never found a body. No one in the town ever looked, Leonard. It was murder. Humans are not the only people in this town, Leonard. You worked because you appreciate that the mink, even if it was unknown, should not have been killed for just wanting to eat. It might have killed people. It might, that is true, but we do not kill dangerous people because they might be murderers. You would have been dead a long time ago, and so would your friend live. But it is more than that, isn't it? Maybe, maybe, maybe it was that Kirby seemed to like killing. Maybe it was that I realized he didn't even know that we were standing in one of the most beautiful places I'd ever seen. Maybe I was sick of him just being a horrible old man. Maybe I missed the mink. I don't know. Mary Lou reached out and touched my arm. I do, Leonard. The memory melted away, and Liv stood before us in the cold, rotten house of my dead friend. My first thought was how much I missed the forest in summer, the trees and the rushing water. My second thought was, why is Liv panting? Why does she seem angry? Fuck you, and fuck this, I am out of here, your old woman is a damn fraud! And that is where we end uh, this chapter. Another cliffhanger I see, but this time, the chapter had a lot of fun stuff for me to hang on to, so I'm not as pissed as the at the cliffhanger. 
Um, no, you did really well on that. I was a little confused at the beginning because of where you had left off the previous chapter. Yeah, so the... Uh, no, I, I got it, but like, yeah, because you because you left off the previous chapter with Liv snapping someone's fingers and then suddenly immediately went into Leonard's own memory. That was a little jarring at first. It took me a good like minute or so to like, catch where I, I was. I was going to mention that, but I thought that it was like going to become pretty was, obvious once it was once like kicked off, Leonard like, looking at a young man in a black cowboy hat in Roz's diner. Like, okay, yeah, like this is Leonard's memory that we're getting first. Um... Yeah, so this, um, so next week is going to be Liv seeing her memory, but what you saw is Leonard coming out of his own memory, seeing Liv coming out of hers, (laughs) and being furious, (laughs) um, for reasons you might be able to guess. Um, because she's a demon, and she's seeing the horrible things she has done and not accepting it. Yeah, that makes a little sense. Well, okay, so now I want to talk about this chapter because I left a lot of stuff unwritten because I didn't want to, like, club you over the head with the point. Um, So my thought with it is to show, like, a different version of who Leonard is, right? So, well, so, one... I like this character because he's supposed to be an ex Pinkerton, which was like yeah, a, uh, they were technically private detectives, but like famous for, uh, breaking up, uh, union strikes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, uh, what Booker DeWitt worked for in Bioshock Infinite. So he lost his eye getting hit in the head with a rock in a mine during his strike. Um, but then, yeah, it's like, uh, you know, dresses like a, kind of like a private detective all the time still. And is like, you're talking about Kirby now, and not like, Leonard, right? Okay. Just making yeah. sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Leonard was like a young. He was a young when he was a young boy. Well, what's the name for uh, like a drifter, but not in like a bad way? Like I don't know what the word for, but I know I, what I th- you mean. <laughs> I think it's a drifter. Like drifters aren't necessarily bad people. Like no. L- Leonard just kind of wandered no. at in his young life and found Bolivia. Um, yeah, like my like Kirby my character from Cyberpunk. He, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so, like, I, I didn't know how clear, like, I didn't know if I wanted Leonard as an old man to say that he noticed that no one would sit near um, Kirby or, like, just even the attitude that Roz had towards him or that relationship where she's like, what else do you want? And he's like, give me steak and keep the food coming. Whereas Leonard orders coffee and then Roz gives him bacon, you know, yeah. like extra bacon. He was, like, complaining about that at the beginning of the story. It's kind of meant to, like... Yeah, the, the, that this man, these man two is characters. a standoffish type that no one really wants to be around while Leonard is more of the type well, that brings people in is kind of what you're saying. It is also that he was like an intimidating yeah, force in the I, town. I guess like, that's kind of what I mean by standoffish type, but yeah. Yeah, like he was cruel and Roz was nice to well, him. So she yeah, yeah and that's him. kind of where you wrap up the chapter of he's going to pull out the knife to kill this creature and leonard realizes in that moment that this creature is just eating food the chickens were yeah someone's property all that but to an outside creature looking in is just a snack to eat and murdering this thing on the spot would have been kind of an injustice and so he took the shot is kind of how i read it well and that's like not wrong it's difficult to get across what 
like the feeling and i think leonard wouldn't know himself you know like, he says that at the end he he doesn't he doesn't yeah. know if it was this or that or if he missed the thing in the first place he just did it well and he made a snap yeah. reaction yeah. right so like leonard did something in the moment and now is having like for all these years has lived with it and feels like he murdered somebody right um and i don't think it's necessarily as simple as um that thing is like oh well, you know i hadn't seen it kill anything yet so whatever i think what I also, and I don't know if I did a good enough job on this, like this is maybe something I would rewrite, is like Leonard in the middle of the chapter is talking about, he's like, oh, I want a head, I want a trophy. Yeah. You know, he like wants to like put on this show of being mm-hmm. a killer. And then the first time he sees a giant animal is like just fascinated yeah. by it. And like as he's rewatching this, it's like, it's beautiful to see this creature move and do its thing. And it's like, he's fascinated by this stuff. Like at his heart, it isn't that, he wouldn't kill the thing even if it was threatening a human necessarily because he likes those things better than being a human in a way. Like he, he finds these things interesting and fascinating and uh, whimsical, even though they are dangerous. Like, I think he's right to say like that thing definitely could have killed him and would have killed Kirby. Um, So it's kind of a, but again, in this town, like that is the required mentality. You can't put humanity first in a town full of monsters, you know, or a town full of somewhat monsters. <laughs> so yeah, I was just trying. I'm trying to like explain Leonard a little bit better, and I don't know. I I hope that that comes across like this difference between someone who kept the town safe out of like being uh, brutal versus someone who keeps the town yeah. probably technically less safe, but safer for a broader range of things to be oh, yeah there, and it's know? like shout shout outs callbacks to the last episode about the reverend instead of like blowing its fucking brains out he keeps it he keeps it alive by having them just feed feed it blood so that it is not um killing the animals that these like this i guess kind of a farming town has so yeah 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 there'd be farms yeah, around yeah, it's, it's indiana town, so yeah. every town is a farming town <laughs> well if you go five minutes away from any town, yeah, that's what I say. Like every every town is a farming town, technically. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, no, it's it's a. I, I like what you did with this chapter. I, I liked it a lot. I'm excited to see you next week. It's kind of fun, but also sucks. So like, I'm the type of person who doesn't give a crap about spoilers. So like, if there's like a new movie that comes out or something big, I usually like look up. So like, okay, what happens at the end? And there's the fact that I literally can't and don't have a way of knowing what happens next chapter because it's not, probably not written yet i can talk to you about oh, yeah. it off air i mean no, like, I, I, I know i know I about mean, what look, it is i think it's fine to just not know i i, I, I need to yeah. get more patient with my stories and not just look up the endings <laughs> um like i even did that like as a kid like when i had a book i would go read like the last chapter like just to see like where it ended up sometimes i have no clue what the hell's happening other times it's like oh man it's a huge spoiler i can't wait to get to that but yeah anyways I, I just have no patience when it comes to, like, stories. I'm like, I need to know now because, like, I just want to know. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I like in the fact that I am doing that. I feel that way means you're doing a good job writing it because you do That's have me grip where it's like, I, I just like want to know right now rather than wait. I feel like that, like, end of, like, you know, the breaking fingers is, like, pretty. It's a v- the That's fact like that I, I creepy, am, you still know? remember it, like, what technically for audience it's like been three weeks <laughs> it's like it hasn't been one week it's been three. well because like <laughs> i want Liv to be like likable well, in yeah, her own is, way though. right like she's not like 
horrible. It's like she's mean, yeah, she's kind mean, of quick to anger, but really not like kind of sassy and shitty. But she's not like uh, she's not unlikable character. Right. She's supposed to be kind of fun, and then like having that be like, and then she starts popping and finger then she's joints. Like, like what the uh. hell? Yeah. <laughs> and it's not. I, I really like what you did. I'm sorry that this is an hour and a half episode. It's probably gonna be shorter than that, but still, sorry we took. Yeah, you gotta edit out me getting ice cream. No, I'm leaving that in because I'm so upset by that. It's staying in because I'm so mad at the ice cream thing. Well, I'm leaving where you walked across the room to get the right freaking ice cream, but yeah. Are you leaving in the thing where me and my wife, who were sitting far apart from each other, both. No, I'm cutting that out because that, like. Yeah, I'm cutting that out where you walked across (laughs) the room. But, uh,. And we're both just staring at the other one <laughs> yeah. waiting for the other yeah, one to like, get up. Right, to we're the one at the screen. Like, what are you just doing? What are you talking about? <laughs> but anyways, Cody, what are your plugs, my my dude? Um, check me out at uh, wandering underscore gamers at twitch.tv. Uh, and also the Wandering Gamer Network, wherever you listen to podcasts. So Okay, on the day you did Wandering Gamer, you told me you guys were going to be playing Carmen Sandiego, but instead did Duke Nuke. Oh, okay, so it was just a fail. What it is. I didn't have my volume on for very long, so I didn't see you explain that. So I wanted to play Carmen Sandiego, which the specific one that we want to play is not old enough to run in DOS, for which there is an emulator you can download, but is too. It isn't that old, but it is too old mm. but it is too old to run on 32-bit operating systems yeah because i remember the times when we had to go we had to like change our whole computer settings just to get these things to work when they got too old yeah so well and right now a 64-bit machine can run 32-bit programs it can't run 16-bit programs this yeah. is a 16-bit program so yeah. which is also 16-bit is a great um arcade bar in ohio so if you oh. want to check out 16-bit, it free games but really expensive drinks. Yeah, that's uh, that's I think get, me yeah. and Mandy went to Tappers in Indy, same way. Also, Arcade terrible food at Tappers. Yeah, yeah I mean it was you really. You don't fun. go there for the food. You go there to play play free games and play pay like twenty five cents for pinball. Like, I mean, you don't go it was like drink. <laughs> I I was there. You know, we were there for a while, so I was like, oh, you know, I'll get, and they had like hot pocket, but worse. Ew. I'm like, whoa, it was like a pepperoni a, roll. Sir, sir it's, it's a calzone, sir. It's a calzone. Yeah. No, no sir, that's yeah. a hot pocket. It's a calzone, sir. <laughs> call it what it is, sir. They didn't even call it a calzone. They had the decency to call it a pepperoni nightmare. It was disgusting. <laughs> I really hope that was the actual name is pepperoni nightmare. Um, anyways, so you can catch me at something, I guess, zero, zero at twitch.tv. Um, really quick anecdote about my plugs, the way I do them. So on Weebelog, the show that is on my Twitch, every time I plug at the end of the show, I always start with, you can catch us at something, I guess, zero, zero. It's like, nope, nope, that's the channel I'm on. It's like, I can't, it's like, I shouldn't be telling you. And I've done that every week for the last, like, few months. You think I learned. Can but I yeah, start so, plugging World Shop? Check me out at World Shop. Not on this show, but you should be plugging us on your other stuff since I give you the space to plug Wandering Gamer Network, but we can talk about that later. Um, Yeah, so I um, do my shows We Belong on my Twitch, and then you can check out my other podcast, Psy Characters, where we talk about diversity and nerd culture. So Psy Characters is also part of the Educated Mess Network, something I always forget to talk about on this show, but you will hear that on our Psy Characters show. 
But the other thing is I actually recently released a blog piece or an article for the Educated Mess Network kind of about some of the things that we talked about on the Love, Death, and Robots episode about like the how the minorities are portrayed in that episode. Yeah, and so it was wanna, really well written. Yeah, if you want to check out some of my writing that's not fantasy writing and see like an actual article written by me, you could check it out. I will have that link in the um, episode description. It's my first time releasing an article, so I'm very was very nervous about it, but I've heard a lot of great feedback. So yeah, if you want to check out some of my I guess professional writing, you could check it out there. Um, and then lastly, you can catch me on twitch.tv forward slash film, where I do a show called Chaos Fiction Theaters with my partner Trim, where we um, read the worst of the worst of the worst of the worst of the worst fan fictions of all time. Um, anyways, that's all I got. Cody, you got anything else? No, nah, my plugs are short. Shut up. Okay, um, as usual, we will catch you where? On the flip side. Bye. Cody, just say bye. bye. Just don't even, you know, you have to do this every time. Just say bye. <laughs> just, ugh, ugh. I have to wait just long enough for it to be annoying for.